Well, welcome to the Midweek Bible Study. And we're continuing in First Peter. And our last stint in First Peter was on Sunday morning. We took it from First Peter chapter 1, verse 9 to 12 on the prophets testifying of things, a mystery they didn't understand. But we move on because last week... It's not we're skipping a portion, but last week we looked at verse thirteen to into sixteen, last midweek Bible study, and this week we probably be staying around verse sixteen. And so welcome to the Bible study first in first Peter chapter one. It says in verse sixteen, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Let's pray and Ask the Lord's blessing before we go into the Word. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the Word. Thank you that it is written, it has been written, and we need not to add any more to that which is written, for that which is written is perfect, it's complete, and we need no more. And thank you, Lord, for for that. And Lord, we do pray for those people that would take and change the Word of God and put in what they think is a new revelation and it's not from God and I pray Lord that you give us wisdom as we discern the word of God and help us to understand what we have got written for us and help us to comprehend read and study and memorize meditate upon these things Lord thank you for each one that's tuned in tonight and may a blessing be be ours I pray that you protect your people uh, from physical harm and danger Lord and from the diseases that are going round, I pray that you would protect us from spiritual diseases that are around. Lord, that you would excite us about the days in which we live because we are living in extraordinary times. Lord, in times when think anything could happen and things can change so quickly. Lord, thank you for the faith and the stability we have in you and in your word. Bless us tonight as we study in Jesus' name. Amen. So back in First Peter, First Peter chapter 1, as I said, and verse 16. And last time we looked at being holy last Wednesday. And tonight we look at being holy and why we are to be holy. Because it is written. And we've, I've entitled this verse, The Scriptures of God in Our Salvation. We've seen the source of our salvation, verse 1 and 2, the security of our salvation, verse 3 and 5, the song of our salvation, verse 6 and 9, the saints of God and our salvation, that was Sunday morning, and the sons of God, the angels, and our salvation, they looked and inquired into it, verse 12, and the week before, the week before, the sanctification of our souls, that is holiness in our salvation, and now the scriptures of God in our salvation. They are very important. Um, if we believe we can be, become a Christian and then, well, I'm secure, I'm right, not read the Word of God, not get in and study the Word of God, not think about the Word of God, then we're wrong. We need the food of the Word of God. Uh, just over in Peter, First uh, Peter chapter 2, as newborn babes, Desire the sincere milk of the word that you might grow. We we have an absolute necessity of having the word of God and to know what has been written. It is written. God's word is complete. 
And when that which is perfect is come, it tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, the last few verses there, when that which is perfect is come, and that is the word of God, then that which is in part the miraculous gifts that they had at the early church will be done away. It is written, how to live holy through the word. Our life is to be very different to what it used to be. Over in First Peter, First Peter chapter 4 and verses 2 and 4, we read this. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh. That's a saved person. To the lust of men, but now to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. To do what we please. To please self. To live for oneself. When we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, abominable idolatries. In which they think that strange you run not with them to the same excess of right, speaking evil of you. So when a person gets saved, there's such a change in his life that people notice. They think it's strange you're not running with them like you used to run, run with them <clears throat> and do the will of the Gentiles. Hey, a lot of those things have been stopped of recent days because they can't go out. <laughs> not many revelings, no more parties. There are no more getting out onto the town. But uh, things have slowed down. I'm sure as soon as they open up, they'll be back there in droves. But they think it's strange that things should be different once we have become a Christian. It is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. It's different to what it used to be. Now, how is our life guided? It's guided by what is written. It's guided by the scriptures. It's not what we think is right. It's what God said is right, is how we should live. How was the Lord victorious over satan can you remember back there in the book in the gospels what did he say when satan came to tempt him a word that has great authority that the lord jesus himself used against the devil what did jesus say it is written what did the devil reply it is written the lord used it in its context he didn't take it out of what it, what it meant. The devil misused the word of God. Misused the word of God to try to say to the Lord, well, the Bible says. <laughs> but it wasn't the way the devil was interpreting it. And the followers of Satan, those that sit in pulpits even, who seem to be angels of light, may also use the word of God in the way the devil used it. Say, well, it is written, but hey, is that what it says? You have to examine it, interpret it literally, in its context, in its culture, in everything, historically, in, in these ways to get the right interpretation. So Matthew 4, verses 1 to 11, the Lord Jesus replied to Satan, it is written. Ephesians 6 and verse 17 says, and, and take the helmet of salvation the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, which is written. <laughs> Take that to live the Christian life, to live victorious Christian life. The word of God is not only a sword for battle, as in Ephesians 6.17. It's a light to our pathway as well. 
a light in this dark world. In Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 19, we have, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. It is written, <laughs> it is written, unto which you do well to take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. So if we pay attention to that which has been written, the Lord Jesus will be in our lives. The day star will arise in our hearts and will know the will of the Lord. Go by what is written, not what by what we think. That's humanism. That's going by our own thoughts. And how do we know if our thoughts are right? We have to go back to the book, back to the word. Show me where it's written. Show me where it's written. So the word of God is a light to our path in this dark world. Psalm 119 verse 105 tells us that also. It's also food that strengthens us. Matthew 4, 4, when the Lord was talking to the devil, he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that's proceeds from the mouth of God. It is written. I mean, we can't get away from this as we go through the scripture. And First Peter chapter 2 and verse 2, we said it before, as newborn babes did desire the sincere milk of the word, it is written that we might grow thereby. So it's food for our souls and it's water that washes us. In first, I mean, Ephesians 5 and verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it, speaking of the church, with the washing of water by the word. It is written. It is written. And we often have heard people say, well, give me chapter and verse for what you believe. I think that's a good saying. You, know, you must place what you believe in the word of God and correctly interpret it, of course. So the word of God has a sanctifying ministry in the lives of his children. When the Lord was giving the high priestly prayer recorded in the Gospel of John, chapter 17 and verse 17, he said, Sanctify them through thy word, thy word is truth. Sanctify them through what is written, and that's the word, and thy word is truth. And so, it has a sanctifying ministry to Christians. Those who delight in God's word, we will memorize the word of God. It's a lot easier to do it when you're younger. You get older, it just won't stick. But praise God, what you did memorize when you were younger sticks. So memorize the word of God. Meditate upon the word of God. Muse. Muse over the word of God. We have amusement parks and amusement and videos and things but that's that's not meditating not thinking ah muse muse meditate means to go over it and think through it and it's amazing how that the holy spirit that lives in the christian when we meditate upon what is written and has been written we come up and tie verses and it, it to tell you the truth if you memorize a book of the bible You'll be memorizing a chapter and the next chapter and another chapter and after a while you start thinking how this connects together. This chapter ties with what the thought that's back there. This was introduced by the writer back here and now he's, 
expanding on the thought and so forth. And the book of Romans is a good example of that as I experienced that going through memorizing the word of God, meditating upon it and how the Holy Spirit can use that in your life. We need to seek to obey and experience God's direction through his Holy Spirit and blessing in our lives. Psalm 1 verse 1 through to 3. In Psalm 1, when we get there. (laughs) Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, that standeth not in the way of sinners, that sitteth not in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law he doth meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth its fruit in its season. That's the Christian that goes to what has been written, meditates, memorizes, or memorizes, meditates, muses in the Word of God. The Word of God reveals God's mind so we can learn from it. The Word of God, that which is written, reveals God's heart so that we should love it. We can learn from it, we can love it, and the Word of God will show God's will to us so we can live it. And that's what the psalmist mentioned there in Psalm verse 1. He shall be like a tree by the rivers of water that's meditating and musing in the word of God. Learn to love it or learn it, to love it and to live it. Our whole being, our mind, our will and our heart should be controlled by the word of God. You say, well, that's fanatical. No, no, that's scriptural. That's what God wants. He wants to be able to control his people through the, that which is written. What, why do you think he gave it to us? Why do you think many godly men and women have lost their lives so that we might have it written before us today? We are very privileged. Not only have it written, we, we can have it on our, on our phones and we can look it up at any time. We can... Anywhere we are, we've got the word of God now. What a blessing. Generations, they didn't have that. They only had a page or a portion or or a psalm. But now we've got the word of God at our fingertips. And you don't even have to type it with your fingers now. You can talk to it and it'll give you what is written and in the version you want. And we use the King James Version, as you know. Well, it is written. This word that we have... And we've shared these things before. And it's likened to different things as we read through the Bible. It talks about itself in Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 29. We read this about the word of God. Is not my word like a fire, saith the Lord? It's like a fire. What does fire do? Well, we use it to refine things. And the word of God, what has been written, refines us refines our thinking and our behavior in the next part of that verse in Isaiah 23:29 and like a hammer that breaketh a rock in pieces <laughs> a stony heart can be broken up by the hammer of the word of god and i think that's exactly what happened to the apostle paul we've been talking about him lately as he was on the road to damascus the word of god from heaven itself came down like a hammer upon him and he realized who it was who art thou Lord, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. And it was a hammer to convict him 
And he said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? Broke a stony heart, a hard heart, an arrogant heart, to be a soft and a tender and a usable heart. The word of God, that which is written, is like a mirror. In the book of James, chapter 1 and verse 23, look into the perfect law of liberty and we're continuing it not to go our way and forget what manner of men we were. But as we go to a mirror and get prepared for the day, do our hair, brush our teeth, whatever else, it reflects the image that we, ha- we, we are. And God's word is like that. It reflects to us. It reflects back to us. Well, you know, the sin in the camp, the sin in the heart, there's something that needs to be gotten right. And so it's like a mirror. And it is written for that reason. It's like a seed in chapter 1 of where we are in First Peter, chapter 1 and verse 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but by incorruptible. It's a seed. And what do you do with seeds? You plant seeds. And what do seeds bring forth? They bring forth fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. And so God wants his word, that which has been written, to bring forth fruit in our life, in our generation, thousands of years from when it was written. That's the power of the word of God. It's been written that it might multiply the seed sowing. And it's not until we die and the seed dies... (laughs) that brings forth life and multiplies itself. It's like a laver in Ephesians 5.23. They're talking about the, the word of God and washing, the washing of the word of God. And it's there to cleanse like the priest did in the laver before he went into the Holy of Holies. He washed there in preparation for service to cleanse. And be ye, be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. It's like a lamp, like a lamp in Psalm. Well, let's go look at this one. This is Psalm 119. We have in verse 105 of Psalm 119. It reads, Thy word is like a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And how we need that in a dark day, dark days. The Lord gives us light from his word and we can become very excited about what is written because we're not in ignorance and we have the light of the law, the light of life in our life and in our hearts. It is written. Aren't you glad it is written? What would it be like to live in a world where we didn't have it is written? God has given us guidance. It's like rain and snow in Isaiah 55, verse 10 and 11, to refresh, uh, give us that briskness in our, in our lives. It's like a sword, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. says a sword, dividing asunder, a body, soul and spirit there mentioned in that verse. A, a sword to cut. It's a bow, like a bow, For revenge, Habakkuk 3 and verse 9. It's like gold in Psalm 19, verse 7 and 10, or through to 10. It's like gold to enrich. It has power to create faith and eternal life. Romans 10, 17. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God needs to be shared with people so that they might hear it and it might challenge their hearts. And we can say, it is written, God said 
God said this. Now, people believe in God or don't believe in God, it's still the seed has been sown. It is written. You know, God's word is powerful and quick and sharper than any two-edged sword. Hebrews 4.12, we've just mentioned them. When you share it with somebody, they are challenged by that and the Holy Spirit can bring it back to their mind. It's like food to nourish. It's called milk in 1 Peter 2.2, where we are. Uh, It's likened to bread in Matthew 4.4, where the devil was tempting the Lord. It's like honey in Psalm 19 and verse 10. So it's like food to nourish. The word of God is so important. It's so important what has been written that we should know it in our heads. But not just know it in our heads intellectually. That's Psalm 119 verse 9. Wherewith shall a young man cleanse his way? But by taking heed thereto according to thy word. And Psalm 1 and verse 2 we've quoted already. We should know it in our head. We should stow it in our hearts. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 119 verse 11. We should show it in our lives. And this is back again in the book of Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8. We read, For ye were once or sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Show it in our lives. Walk as children of light, not in the former way we lived as we talked of in Peter earlier. We should not only know it in our heads, stow it in our hearts, show it in our life, but sow it, sow it in the world. You know, a farmer can have a whole lot of seed in the silo or in his bucket or wherever in his bin. But if he doesn't get it out, put it in the ground, he's not going to have a harvest. The, the word of God is not going to be, have any effect. It, it is written, but it needs to come alive into the lives of people as we take it out and sow the word of God in the world. Luke eight eleven tells us the seed in the parable of the seed and the sower and the four types of grounds, the, what is it, the wayside hearers, the, 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 thorny, the, the rocky ground hearers, the thorny ground hearers and the good ground hearers, uh, the uh, four different types of ground. But we need to sow it there. The seed is the word of God in that parable, Luke eight eleven, And we need to glow it in the dark too. Huh. Matthew 5 verses 14 to 16, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Don't hide your lamp under a bushel. Take the bushel off. And and, and in fact, it's interesting, that bushel was a symbol of business. And uh, you're putting your lamp under Neath something else, it's secondary where it should be primary. The word of God is these things. Know it, stow it, show it, sow it and glow it in our lives. Peter quoted from the book of Leviticus when giving us verse 16, because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. You say you made a lot about it is written. Well, it's very, very important. The word of God. And so he quoted from Leviticus, chapter 11, verse 44. Does this mean that the Old Testament law is authoritative today for New Testament Christians? Keep in mind that 
the early Christians had nothing else but the Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament. The only word of God they possessed was this, the Old Testament. And God used that word to direct and nurture them until he gave the revelation of the New Testament through the apostles. And it was written down in the form of letters that was carried to towns and eventually put together as the canon of Scripture. Believers today are not under the Old Testament ceremonial laws that were given to Israel. As you read in Colossians 2, verse 14 to 17, Galatians 4, verse 9 to 11, Galatians 3, verses 1 to 5, and particularly Galatians 3 and 21, we're not under those those commandments, or those, sorry, ceremonial laws given to Israel. In these laws we see moral and spiritual principles revealed that we can use. So it is written, here's a principle, here's a moral law. In fact, nine of the ten commandments are repeated in the epistles. We don't have the ceremonial laws of the days and the months and the years and the things they celebrated, the feasts that Israel celebrated, the, the, the sacrifices that they gave. We don't, we don't do that. That's all finished. Um, the Lord Jesus fulfilled the type. But we have the nine of the Ten Commandments repeated in the New Testament epistles. So we must obey them. The Sabbath commandment, was given especially to Israel and doesn't apply to us today, as some try to say so. Exodus chapter three, uh, sorry, chapter thirty-one, verse thirteen, Ezekiel twenty, verse twelve and twenty, say that this was a sign to Israel. This was the Sabbath for Israel. They'll have it again in a time to come, but it's not for the church today. They met on the first day of the week, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1 and 2, and other references in the New Testament. And historically, as you have the record of church history, they met on the first day of the week. Now, some try to say, the Seventh-day Adventists, to say that those who are meeting on the first day of the week are meeting on the Devil's Day. You know, this is a day that they try to keep the Sabbath, but it's for the Jewish people. But the other commandments are for us. So it is written, we can go back to the Old Testament and we can learn much about God in his working through the nation of Israel and through, through the people in types and in symbols. We can learn from the Old Testament and we can say it is written. We can go back there. The first step toward keeping clean in a filthy world is to ask, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? What has been written about this? It covers all the subjects. It's been lived in the lives of people in the past. You know, with Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel, and you can get so much as you go down through there. Enoch, and Noah, his three sons. It's written. And this is what happened to them when they did this in the early church. What happened to people when they sinned? What happened to people when they did right things? What does the Bible say? In the scriptures we'll find precepts, we'll find principles, we'll find promises and persons' lives to guide us in today's decisions. If we're really willing to obey God, he will show us the truth. He won't hide it from us. If we have a desire to know what his will is, he will teach us. John seven seventeen tells us that. 
while God's methods of working may change from age to age, his character stays and remains the same. And his spiritual principles never vary. We do not study the Bible just to know the Bible intellectually. They, they can do that and they do do it in secular universities. Study the Bible just to know the facts of the Bible. That's not why we study the Bible. We study the Bible. We study the characters that are written about in the Bible to know God. We've been covering in the morning service over in and out for the past year, maybe more, how to know God. To know God is to know how he works in people's lives because it is written. <laughs> Too many earnest Bible students are content with outlines and explanations, a head knowledge, but it needs to slip down to the heart six inches and make a heart change in our lives from what has been written so that when we are tempted to sin, the Holy Spirit quickly prompts us to think about verses of scripture that have to do with what we're about to do, we shouldn't be doing. It is written. It is written. What does the Bible say about what you're about to do? Is it right? Is it give agreeance to it or does it forbid it? We need to know God and know him through his word. It's good to know the word of God, but this should help us better to know God through the word of God. I pray that it's been a blessing tonight to do our study on It Is Written. If you've got a doctrine, can you show us where it is written in the Word of God? If you've got a practice, can you show where it is written in the Word of God? If you've got a principle you live by, can you show where it is written in the Word of God? I pray that you can and that you're excited about the Word of God and how it's living and powerful and food for your soul as you go on your way. And I think that's why we have midweek Bible studies, to, to give us a bit of encouragement in the middle of the week, in the working week, to be challenged from the Word of God, what has been written, what does God want us to know about. God bless until we meet again.